real privilege for me to introduce to you a, a friend of mine, a man who has helped us as a church when we've been through difficult seasons and uh, is an apostolic father, apostolic leader in his own right. Paul and Sue Manwaring were, the, were part of the senior leadership team, are part of the senior leadership team at Bethel Reading. They are now based just outside of London, and they are launching into Europe and just bringing revival and bringing the kingdom wherever they go. And uh, so grateful that they are our friends, and, um, and they They've chosen to, to build with us in, in, in a very relational way. So um, I'm going to ask that you open up your hearts and uh, hands as we welcome Paul and Sue, but just Paul to come minister. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. I'm told this is the younger crowd. So they brought a young's preacher in for the night. So... I always feel young. I don't even. I don't know where the years go. But um. well, I actually got a request from. I see. I think it was Roger as well as uh, as well as Sai uh, to uh, to talk to you about a subject that I've talked about before. But talk about glory. So that's what I'm going to do now. Some of you might have thought, really, what what's that going to be all about? Um, but uh, I think, hopefully, you'll be surprised at my approach to it. And uh, I do believe that you'll be able to apply what I teach tomorrow morning, which is the only reason I preach, is that people can apply what's taught and their lives be changed. I can't see any point. Otherwise, we might as well go and watch the football or something if, if your life doesn't get changed, you know. Um, but just by way of just a brief introduction of me... Um, Life-wise, I, I trained as a psychiatric and general nurse um, a while ago, and when I'd uh, done that for five years, I, um, for the very deep spiritual reason, I changed careers because I needed more money and I couldn't earn enough being a nurse. <laughs> you know, although I joke about that, some of you might need to hear that, because sometimes we're, we are guided by the very practical things in life, and it's not all angels that fly by and tell us to turn left and all that. Sometimes it's just real life, you know. And uh, I stopped being a nurse and I joined the prison service of England and Wales and I worked as a prison officer for a couple of years and then they spotted me as having some management potential and so I worked my way up the ranks in the prison service and ended up uh, being a prison warden, prison governor, English language. Do you have governors, wardens, superintendents? What do you have? Wardens. You got that from America. You should have got the governor thing from us Brits, you know. <laughs> Governors, just got a nice ring to it. And uh, so I did that, and uh, while I was doing that, um, got trained in a few things and senior command studies and strategic planning and stuff like that. So most of, my, most of my working life, I haven't been paid to go to church. In fact, I was only first paid to go to church in 2003. That's my little humorous language for the rest of you do real jobs, and then some of us get paid to go to church, you know? Like... Like Roger said, are you, are you going to be okay preaching four times today? It's like, I've done a real job, Roger. This is okay. It's all right, you know? I mean, I, I've, I've done 15-hour shifts working in prison and all sorts of stuff like that. So I know that leading a church is different. But just showing up on a Sunday, doing four 30-minute, have a chat, talk about the things I love, hey, it's just kind of fun. So, um, so that's me. That's my, my background. Then I went to Bethel um, with Sue and ended up spending 15 years there. Never would have dreamed that I would end up on the senior team and uh, 
having been there for a while, then would have never dreamed uh, that in 2012 God would give me a, a prophetic word which changed the course of my life uh, again and has caused us really to come back uh, to live in Europe and uh, to believe that it's Europe's time. And uh, so I've, I think I'd describe my life as full, basically, and I love it, and I, I've loved my life, and uh, I still love my life, and I'm a, uh, a father of two sons and a grandfather of two grandsons, specializing boys. Not everyone can do it, but, um, you know, we, uh, we've done that. So, and uh, they're, the, they're the absolute love of our lives. So, uh, but it's really funny. So I attracted a little, little girl up here this morning. I'm just like, we were, yeah, I need the photograph of that. That was a very funny moment. So, so Glory. I was, uh, some years ago, I had um, a a season where I really was being uh, introduced, reintroduced to being a son. And uh, that's a whole other journey of of realizing that when when my dad died, I stopped being a son. People slapped me on the back, said, you're the man of the house now. And uh, and I grew up overnight. And uh, 32 years later, I had a fresh encounter uh, with the Lord. And he, he talked to me about being a son. I'm going to leave that there because that's a whole other subject. But in that same season, I began to realize that we as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords are not just any sons and daughters. We are glorious sons and daughters. We are glory-carrying sons and daughters, glory-filled sons and daughters. And that it started to take me on this journey of, okay, if if I am a glory-filled son, if I am a glory-carrying son... What is glory? It's one of the biggest words in the Bible. It's, it's up there. We sing about it all the time. It's in songs, you know, let your glory fall. Let it go forth from here to the nations. And it, it kind of just left me with a, well, okay, but what is it? And I started looking through, you know, references to glory in the Bible. And there are many of them, but a few that really stood out is, is these ones here, or are these ones here? Isaiah 43 verse 7 says that you were created for his glory. Romans 3.23 says that you have fallen short of the glory. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Psalm 16 says that your glory rejoices. And the book of Revelation says that the kings of the earth will pass through the 12 gates, which are 12 pearls, and will take their glory with them. All of that to say this, you have a glory. I have a glory. So I started on this journey of asking questions, which is really how I read the Bible. I I investigate the Bible. I ask it questions. I'm sort of got this. I used to investigate riots and suicides and stuff like that. I kind of read the Bible the same way. It's like, where's the evidence, you know? And and I like to read parallel stuff. I like to read Peter's behavior in the Gospels and what Peter wrote in in the epistles. I, I like to do that. I'm just looking for the clues. So, so I went on this journey with regard to glory. What is this thing called glory? We have a glory. I, I've been in meetings for a, a lot of my life, and I can still see one preacher standing in front of me going, glory, glory, it's a weighty thing, brother. It's like he was taking that from the Hebrew meaning of the word kabod, which is translated glory, that means a weighty thing. It's like, well, great, I have a weighty thing now. That's helpful. I'm really, you know, I'm feeling great about this. Or I, I've been in other scenarios where people talk about the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory in the room. 
But I'm left with this. I'm left between a weighty thing and a cloud, but I have a glory. You have a glory. I don't know why you're laughing. You've got one too. You've got the same problem as me. And, and so it took me on this journey because I refuse to live between a cloud and a weighty thing. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And then in my, in my sort of journey of reading, uh, I didn't come across it for the first time. I knew it was there. But I read that one of the great verses where Moses says to God, show me your glory. Now, What's incredible about that is this. This guy Moses, by this point, has, has spoken to a bush that happened to be God and talked back. He's, he's had supernatural showdowns with the magicians of Egypt, matching plague for plague. He's led a million people from Egypt into the wilderness by supernaturally covering doorposts with blood. He's seen the Red Sea part. He's seen water come from rocks, quail knee deep, manna provided every day except double portions one day of the week. He's seen a leprous hand healed when he takes it out of his shirt. He has seen all of that. He spent 40 days and 40 nights once in the presence of God when he heard the, um, the Ten Commandments read. He then spends another 40 days when he has the tabernacle described to him. And all of that to say this, he then stands in God in front of God and says, show me your glory. Don't you think you've seen enough, Moses? It's like, <laughs> leave some for the rest of us, please, you know? It's outrageous, isn't it? He, he says to God, show me your glory. And God said to him, okay, come up here. Oh, by the way, those two tablets that you broke, you smashed them because you were angry at the people of Israel making golden calves. If you bring a couple of those up with you, carve them out. You've got 24 hours to do it and no electric tools to do it with, and then carry them up, you 80-year-old man, climb up a mountain with two tablets of stone, and get here by tomorrow. I mean, I think it's reasonable if you ask an audacious question like, show me your glory, that you, you have to pay some sort of price for it. So he climbs up the mountain, he's up the mountain, and then God says, I will hide you behind my hand in the cleft of a rock, and then I will pass by, and I will tell you how good I am. You can imagine Moses going, hold on, I said, show me your glory, and you're now saying you're going to pass by. People keep coming up on this. <laughs> Never sure what's going to happen in this church. It was children this morning, someone else tonight. Anyway, God says, I'm going to pass by. Let all my goodness pass before your eyes. You can imagine Moses thinking, I asked to see your glory. You've changed the subject. And God passes by. He says, I, the Lord God, full of compassion and mercy, who will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. It, this incredible description of how good he is, how kind he is. Theologians, to be honest, have got really excited about this scene because they get excited that Moses only saw the backside of God. And he missed very often, in my opinion, they've missed, I think, the most amazing thing. And that is that it's that scene that caused the face of Moses to shine. It wasn't the first set of 40 days in the presence. It was when God passed by, hit him in the cleft of a rock, and said, this is how good I am. Moses came down a mountain, and from that moment, his face shone, and the people couldn't look at him. When I had made this little discovery that it was that trip up the mountain that caused his face to shine, I said something to my wife, and she said, well, it's obvious, isn't it? God can't separate his goodness from his glory. It's like, yeah, okay. Credit to you for that. You're right. He can't separate his goodness from his glory. Why do I talk about this? 
Moses' face was shining. Now, fast forward, and the Apostle Paul, the great educated Apostle Paul, the Jew of Jews, who'd studied everything about the Old Testament, he wrote this. He said words, I'll jumble them together because it's a whole passage. He said, you are our letter, written not on tablets of stone, but written by the Spirit of the living God on your hearts. You're our letter. You're our representation. At the end of that passage, he says, we see as in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And what he's saying is, when we recognize in each other the Spirit of the living God, then we go from glory to glory. Now that whole passage, he also says this, what had a glory, he's talking about Moses' face, now no longer has a glory on account of the glory that surpasses it. He's talking about us. You are a letter. We have a greater glory than was on the face of Moses. Now there's no one in here whose face is shining. There's a few heads, mine more than most probably, but no, no faces. You have a greater glory than was on the face of Moses. This is incredible. Here's my belief. Moses' glory was external and decreasing, but yours is internal and increasing. And when you recognize the glory on someone else's life, you go from glory to glory. That is honor. Because that's when we, when we recognize someone's glory, actually that is honor. It's my definition of honor is the recognition of glory in another. And that's how you go from glory to glory. Now, I'm going fairly fast because I've got somewhere I want to get to. So, we have a glory. Are you okay with that? Now, I don't have time to prove this to you, but your glory is, is the equivalent of the value of the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon. Because both of those were dwelling places that were filled with the presence or the glory of God. Now, that is the definition of Shekinah, a dwelling place with the presence of God. And it's estimated that the tabernacle of Moses was worth $16 billion, whatever that is in rand, 160 billion rand or something, yeah, give or take. And the temple of Solomon was $60 billion, which is what, 600 billion rand. You and I, you and I are what, temples of the Holy Spirit. Just like the tabernacle of Moses was a building, the temple of Solomon was a building, and they were filled with the presence, so much that the priests couldn't stand. And now you and I, New Testament Christians, are the temple of the living God. Not only that, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Which means that you and I, our assignment, it's not our identity, but our assignment is Shekinah glory, because Shekinah is the dwelling place of a dwelling God. I'm, rap, I'm running through this pretty fast. You're still with me. In other words, you are really valuable. Really, really valuable. And you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're, you're the temple of the living God. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I'm still stuck though. What is this thing called glory? What is it? What is it that you have? What is it that I have? Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Christians, we've got really, you know, we get all focused on dealing with sin. Hey, it's not that difficult. Deal with it. Repent from it. Turn from it. The thing we haven't really grasped, in my opinion, is repenting from sin but unto glory. 
You see, all have sinned. We know that. We don't need to be told that too much time. Just deal with it. Repent. Get, get it done with. But the real thing that the devil doesn't want you to do is to repent unto glory. Because once you repent unto glory, you start to reveal him in every corner of this beautiful world. And remember, Habakkuk 2.14, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. But here's the thing. Isaiah says the whole earth is full of his glory. Hello, there's a gap. The whole earth is full. The whole earth will be full of the knowledge. Therefore, knowing what this thing called glory is may actually be really important. So I'm not just the crazy guy that thinks I want to solve a problem. We actually need to know what it is. So I want to just run very quickly through what I think this thing called glory is. And then when I finish, I want to commission you as glory carriers. Now, I've, given, I've got two definitions of glory. Um, most people that have heard them, in fact, I've never heard anybody say, I completely disagree with you. But my first definition is God's glory. God has a glory. God's glory is the result of God expressing himself. God is kind of like the sun, the original light, the original glory, but bigger than that. So God's glory is the result of God expressing himself. And incidentally, when he did, you happened. He did. You happened. You're a result of God expressing himself. It's pretty amazing, really. You happened. It's said of artists that they do two things. They express themselves and they copy. But God had nothing to copy. So he just expressed himself. You're an original. An original expression of the living God. God's glory is the result of God expressing himself. It's like the sun. We're a little bit more like the moon, but more than the moon. Because the moon, you can only see the moon when the moon can see the sun. Yeah? So we have a glory, and a part of our glory is that we reflect his glory. But I think it's more than that. And so I put a definition of our glory together. Our glory is this. It's our eternal value. It is eternal because we're going to take it with you. Remember Revelation, the kings of the earth, that's us, are going to take our glory with us. So our glory is eternal. Our eternal value or worth, because we reveal, reflect, and point to the nature, the power, and the attributes of God. That's what we get to do. We reveal him. We show the world what he looks like. We reflect him. We're made in his image and many other aspects as well. And we point to him. We go, that's God. That's what he does. That's what he's like. That's who he is. And we talk about his nature, his power, and his attributes. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm beginning to get somewhere. I'm getting some breakthrough. I've worked out some things to do with, okay, knowledge. The earth's going to be filled with the knowledge. We're going to know what God's glory is. We're going to reveal it, reflect it, and point to it. So then I start having to think and breaking it down. I'm just going to give you um, a few examples. You can go away and study them for yourself. There's one, though, that I think is really important for this room tonight, um, which I'll, I'll touch on. Number one, God's glory is revealed in the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you've done any of those today, you've revealed His glory. It's not complicated. 
And the world needs to see people who walk in the fruits of the Spirit with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Self-control is a bit of a worry, isn't it? Because if the, fruit, if the fruits of the Spirit include self-control, that means the Holy Spirit has self-control. Why does the Holy Spirit have to control himself is one of my questions, personally. Probably to stop him from wiping me off the planet when I'm having a stupid day. I don't know. Maybe. So there's fruits of the Spirit. You can all do that. What about this, though? The gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. See, I I look at it like this. When you lay hands on the sick and they recover, you're revealing him. He's healer. It's who he is. You're displaying his power, his nature. So when we, when we lay hands on the sick, we're revealing him. There's a glory in laying hands on the sick. There's a glory in speaking in tongues. There's a glory in bringing wisdom. There's a glory in words of knowledge. There's a glory in prophecy. There's a glory in these things. It's your glory. It's, it's the way you reveal him, point to him, and reflect him. They're simple, aren't they? What about a couple of other simple ones? Anyone ever paid anyone's debt? Anyone ever done that? Anyone done the pay the person Starbucks behind me on a drive-thru or anything like that? You know, if you ever get to pay someone's debt, you're revealing him because he's a debt-paying God. He pays debts. That's what he does. You're revealing him. What about another simple one? How many people in here like serving? I really like serving. I do. Do you know when you serve, you reveal him? Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. He's the servant king. When you serve, sometimes we reduce serving to being something menial. It's one of the greatest gifts to this planet, to serve, to serve this planet. It's one of the things we were given to do in the garden, serve the planet, look after it, manage it, take care of it, serve the planet. We reveal Him. These are simple things. The military, people who are willing to fight for peace and freedom. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. People who serve in that way or perhaps work in government and are willing to serve in in that kind of a way are revealing him. But here's one I think, one of the two that I'm just going to focus on just to close. You're made in his image. If you go through the Bible, it's somewhere, I've got one, it's up there. I don't know why I brought it up, I haven't opened it, but I've quoted it, so it's all right. (laughs) That book is full of legitimate careers. Lawyers, doctors, nurses, builders, gardeners, midwives, accountants, bookkeepers, administrators. It's full of those descriptions of people who do that. And you're made in his image. And when, when you fulfill that role, and when you realize that that's, that's the way that you work on this planet, the way you serve him and serve your fellow man, being made in his image, there is a glory in it. There's a glory in being a doctor, a glory in being a teacher, a glory in being a waitress, a glory being in a mum, there's a glory because you're made in his image. And when we start to realize this, we can start to come alive as the glory carriers that this world needs. See, for too long we've separated this stuff. We, we've made supernatural healing more important than the surgeon who spent seven years training, 25 years working, and can take your kidney out and put another kidney in. That's genius. You see, He got his ability from from learning from the master healer himself. And when we realize that being made in his image, being creative, being artistic, being reformers, being revivalists, any of those things, and I don't just mean in the church, 
I mean reformation of society. I mean working in places that are acute life and death situations. There's a glory in those careers. And I know many of you are studying and at college and university and you, and you want to take your place in society. I want you to know that when you qualify as lawyers, government leaders, teachers, nurses, doctors, mathematicians, scientists, whatever you want to put in there, that you are glory carriers. Commissioned to fill this earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. You see, one of the problems, the earth is being filled with the knowledge of the glory of Steve Jobs. Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, and you can put in some others of your own if you like. The earth is being filled with the, their, the knowledge of their glory. Here's the thing. They're made in the image of God. They're over here, made in the image of God. And they're doing all this crazy stuff with computers and cars and rockets and stuff. It's amazing. I love it. But they're filling the earth with the knowledge of their glory. You see, you and I, we're over here. Do you know you, we have four times what they have? They're made in the image of God. But you and I are made in the image of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, have the mind of Christ, have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We've got more than them. But for too long, we've been locked in by religion. And the one thing that we haven't felt free to do is to display being made in His image. They weren't trapped by religion. This is the generation that's going to set free a generation to be free, to be who God made them to be, so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of glory of God, so that people like Elon Musk, who do something incredible, will be able to say, I got that idea in a prayer room with my God. He gave me the ability. He gave me the brain. He gave me the mind. It's part of how the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Because these guys, sadly, are using it to point to themselves and their own ability and their, their own skills And some of them are using the money wonderfully. I get that. I'm not critical of them. But they're not Christians. There's a glory in being made in the image of God. There are people in here. You're going to change the world. You're going to invent things. You're going to design things. You're going to find new ways of communicating, new ways of expressing, and fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. Because we were created by the Creator to be creative and to point our creativity back to Him. And men and women who don't know God have nowhere to point their creativity to. And some of them get into a mess and die in New York apartments because they can't carry and were never meant to carry the weight of beauty and creativity and genius. But you're different to that. You are equipped. You've been got ready to carry the weight of beauty and creativity and to use it to bring glory to God. You were made for that. There is also a glory in relationships. I won't go into it, but there is. Study the Bible. There's a glory in mums and dads and fathers and sons and husbands and wives and uncles and nieces. There's a glory in it because every relationship on earth is actually a tutor to teach us how to have a relationship with heaven. And there's a glory in relationships. We've been married 39 years. There's a glory in our relationship because we have displayed covenant love to each other. Sue to me more than the other way around because she's better than me. But it, it's covenant love. The Bible says, husband, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and Christ died for the church. There's a glory in relationships because we're able to reveal him, reflect him, and point to him. You have a glory. You have 
A greater glory than was on the face of Moses. You have a glory that you can display in the simple things of loving someone, bringing joy into the room. You have a glory you can display in the gifts of the Spirit. You can have a glory, you have a glory in the way you serve mankind. But you have a glory, and I think for this room specifically tonight, it's this. You have a glory of being made in His image. Of taking that and using it to bring glory to His name. Imagine if those four, the Musk, the Gates, the Jobs, and the Branson, knew Him. Imagine if all that they've done in the last 40 years was done for one reason. We want to give the glory to God. Well, why not? Why not the next 40 years? Why not believing Musk's, Jobs, Branson's, and Gates who will dedicate the next 40 years of their lives to bring glory to God? Why not you? Why not here? Why not now? I know no reason. None whatsoever. And you are glory carriers. And I want to close by praying for you. You're glory carriers. You're put on this planet to carry glory, to reveal Him, to reflect Him, to point to Him. I was called to the ministry in 1975. I, I believed that I would be a pastor one day or a missionary. 1975 to 1997, I did the jobs that were in front of me. No regrets. I love them. In 1997, I stood in Argentina outside of Claudio Friedson's church. I'd received a fax, which for all of you is an ancient form of communication. <laughs> a fax that told me I'd been promoted to run a prison. And Claudio Friedson came over to me, put his hands on my shoulders, and he said, Paul, go back to England and run that prison for God. That day, I put my call down. I left it on the streets of Buenos Aires. I said, okay, I'll take it. I'll run prisons for you. I didn't know that four and a half years later, God would redirect my life. But I willingly laid my call down that day. And Claudio Friedson, I believe, commissioned me that day and prayed for me. And I want to pray the same prayer for you. I actually want to pray this same words. Go back and run your prison for God. And you'll go, we don't run prisons, Paul. You're deceived. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you don't believe that what you do is your calling and your ministry, then you might as well be in prison. You might as well. I'm serious. He came to set us free. Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring freedom to the captives and release to the prisoners. Declare this is the favorable year of our God. And those that were set free become the ones that read build ruined cities, raise up the former devastations. Not the priests. No, not them. The ones who were stuck in prison and captivity. And as far as I'm concerned, if what you're doing today, you are not able to embrace as the will of God, if you're not able to embrace it as I am in ministry, I'm a police officer, a law enforcement officer, a doctor, a nurse, a waitress, a mum. If you can't embrace that as the will of God for your life, you might as well be in prison. And that's why I want to pray the same prayer. Because I believe the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. And He has anointed me to, to speak freedom to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring freedom to captives and release to prisoners and declare this is the favorable year of our God. If you're willing to be commissioned tonight, I want to invite you to stand. I want to commission you to be glory carriers, to know that you carry a glory. And some of you, it looks like walking into a classroom and teaching kids. Some of you, it looks like bringing healing through nurses. Some of you, it looks like being an accountant and helping people with their books. There's a glory in it. 
You're made in his image. And I commission you like Claudio commissioned me. Go back and run your prison for God. Go back and do it. Run your computer for him. Your desk for him. Your, your kitchen sink for him. Your, your hospital ward for him. Go back and run it for him. Because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I don't anymore believe that that's an arrogant statement. It is on me. And he has commissioned me to speak freedom to the captives. Be free. Be free. Go build, go dream, go fly. Break off the restrictions that my generation had so that this generation will raise up the believing Bill Gateses and Elon Musks and Richard Branson's and Steve Jobs and that they will use their genius of being made in the image of God to bring glory to his name. Father, I bless these people. I ask you, commission them right now with my words. May they know as they do what they do tomorrow morning that they are commissioned to be glory carriers and to be a part of an army that will fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Amen.